Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and this is episode 131. That's episode 131 of the podcast to help keep your Frenchy vibes flattering and lose yourself in France without even leaving home. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences, mostly with guests who live in Australia, in France and right around the world, and we share ideas for how to satisfy the Francophile within you. There are so many ways for Francophile listeners to stay connected with us at the Ludabelle's Francophiles too, with all the links in today's episode's show notes for the YouTube channel, as well as the Ludabelle's Francophiles website, Instagram, a fabulous Frenchie Spotify playlist, as well as the Ludabelle's Francophiles newsletter, which has resumed delivery direct to your inbox and will continue from time to time with extra Frenchie inspo if you subscribe by emailing the word subscribe to bonjour at ludabellesfrancophiles.com. Alors, usually I chat with a guest about their experience in France, but this year I did a grand vacances en France, and I'm going to chat a little bit more solo about that today. So recently I've been speaking to a number of people who've travelled to France this year, and they've got back into the travel groove now that the world has opened up post-COVID. I've chatted to Gabriel Gattay in episode 125 about his road trip that crisscrossed France at the same time that I was there, which was also the case for the amazing Trudy Walker in episode 120, who travelled all over France as well. And then there was also Kathy McKenzie in episode 126. She curated her own cycling tour for her and her husband to ride across the south of France, which sounded amazing. Now, we were all there at the same time, just missing each other by days at some points on our journeys. And I kind of imagined if all of our trips were captured on a map, our avatars representing us travelling around France, that those little avatars would be swirling all over the map, crisscrossing paths but missing each other, a la something like the Dad's Army intro with the flags that crisscrossed each other. Does anyone remember that from the 70s and 80s? Now, I, I digress slightly, obviously, but what I've noted is that there's been a huge amount of travel going on in the past 12 months or so. And in episode 117, I chatted about my road trip across the northern coastline of France. And in episode 119, we heard all about my stay near author Catherine Watts in gorgeous St. Malo. So there's been a plethora of travel to immerse myself in on the socials and also to enjoy now that we can get back to our fave destination. Recently, I've been hearing from you beautiful Little Bells listeners as well about your upcoming plans. It makes my heart just sing to know that I am helping to keep your Frenchy vibes fluttering, keeping those dreams of travelling to France going, and, and then you're turning that into a reality and telling me all about it. And I love, love, love that. I'd like to give a little shout out to listener Natalie Olver, who has written to tell me all about her plans for France 2024. I can't wait to hear more about that. So if you're heading to France, just let me know what exciting stuff you're planning and email bonjour at lulabellesfrancophiles.com. So I made more than one road trip in France this year. I managed to escape and I nicked off to France for almost two months. I left the adult and the almost adult children 
at my place in Australia to care for the fur babies and also for my husband, Paulie. And I started on an adventure that took in a number of projects and experiences that in the end, really for me, I suppose they were quite life-changing. I was very fortunate to stay in a chateau and in historic villages with previous podcast guests. I walked the red carpet at the Cannes Film Festival. I hung out in the coolest corners of Paris with some more podcast guests. And I spent a number of weeks on road trips. Now, mostly on my own, but a couple with beautiful friends around various regions of France. And one experience that was a highlight for me of the whole two months was a road trip I had with a gorgeous dear friend of mine, Simone. I have spoken of her before on the Little Bells Francophiles podcast because we have travelled in France quite a bit together over the years. Many years ago, we even had our kids brought over from Australia to France to meet us after a road trip back then by Simone's beautiful octogenarian mum. Now, that is one brave grandma to take four teenage boys halfway around the world on her own. But anyway, this year, Simone said she wanted to come and see more of France with me. So we knew we wanted to discover the southern part of France and we worked out our own itinerary of where to go. So in this episode, you will hear about our adventures starting in Paris, then the Basque region, then across in an easterly direction to Cahors, Uzès, the pont du Gard, the tiny village of Molégez, which we used as a base to visit, a Galliere, Saint-Rémy-de-Provence, Lille-sur-la-Sorgue, Gord, the Abbey de Senonque, and Avignon before we headed to the next part of my journey in Lyon. Now, I will place links for all of the villages that we visited on the Lulabelle's Francophiles website because you may wish to explore them further. And there is only so much that we could talk about in one single episode. I'll give you a bit of an understanding of the challenges as well as the gorgeous, oh my giddy up moments that we found on this amazing experience. So Simone came and met me in Paris five weeks into my trip And it was during the mass strikes in France. So our first tip for anyone arriving or traveling in France, always check the local news in the month leading up to your arrival for any issues that may affect you. So after a couple of days on the Ile Saint-Louis, my fave little village in the middle of Paris, Simone and I took a train down to Biarritz and hired a car to head to our gorgeous friend Sarah's place. And we stayed a few days with her as part of her Be My Guest Immersions business near Bayonne in the Basque country. And Sarah took us to amazing places off the beaten track. We watched sunsets from the beautifully rugged and windswept coastline. We did day trips to quaint villages like Saint-Jean-de-Luz. And we ate and ate and ate fabulous Basque food. It was just divine. From here, Simone and I headed east on our trip. We had the starting point kind of decided for us for our first night. My gorgeous Uncle Carl and his best mate Paul had been walking the Chemin de Compostelle, the French part of the Camino Trail, and they happened to be finishing their epic walk on the first night of our road trip. So we stayed at the same hotel and had dinner to celebrate their achievement with them in Cahors. Now, Simone and I would never have considered going to Cahors had it not been for my Uncle Carl being there and using the place as a venue, really, for a catch-up with him and his dear friend and a one-night pit stop en route to Provence. We didn't even consider that it might be somewhere that we'd like to spend more time in. But let me tell you, Cahors is divine. It is absolutely going on my list for a return visit. Now, 
regular listeners to the podcast may have picked up that I am a devotee to Airbnb and stays and any other sort of little online booking system where I can book a whole house and I kind of like to live like a local momentarily wherever I go. It's just something that floats my boat and makes me feel quite connected to the place. But for this night in Carhor, my uncle had the hotel as part of the arrangement with the Chemin de Compostelle and I booked the same place for Simone and I. I thought we would be in some dingy little roadside motel, but it was incredible. It was actually at a Best Western and everything was considered in the room for travellers, but the best thing was the view. I just wasn't expecting such a gorgeous place. We were right on the river and it's next to a 12th century bridge. We opened the curtains and my soul was just fed. Every moment I looked at that view. We wandered around the town then in the morning and loved the quirkiness of it. The smell of summer from the lush trees lining most of the main streets, the historic buildings that were just beckoning us to come and explore. But unfortunately, we needed to continue on our way and we left Carhor, continuing on our trip in a sort of an easterly direction to Uzes. Now, at this point, I have a couple of important tips. Coming from Bayonne to Carhor, Simone and I decided to take the tollway, thinking it would be faster and guarantee us to get us to our destination in time to meet my uncle, and and that it did. But the amount of toll booths we went through was ridiculous. We spent, I think it was close to 40 euros, maybe a bit more on tolls that day, and we saw nothing but freeways for five and a half hours. It would have taken maybe slightly longer on the non-toll roads. So next time I think I would take that option. The toll booths were difficult too as they wouldn't take my preloaded cash card. They wouldn't take some Australian bank cards. We were just really lucky that there was one credit card of Simon's that was successful. So I suggest if you're going to take toll roads, ensure you have some cash to pop into the toll machines because it is bloody stressful, let me tell you, with a truck up your bum in a toll booth and you cannot get a card to work. Nothing worse. So after leaving Carhaw, we returned to the habit that I'm usually in when I'm driving through France. I set my maps app to the setting that says avoid tolls. And this way, we drove through some of the most exquisite countryside. We saw villages that would never be on a tourist map. We headed to Uzes and stayed in what was described on the accommodation site as a little two-bedroom flat. Now, the photos looked stunning due to the fact that the flat was an annex of one of the gorgeous old houses on the rim of the centre of Uzes, but the flat was not great. It had scratchy sheets, it had a strange smell, and the owner suggested that there was breakfast in the kitchen for us, but the kitchen was otherwise known as a sink and a cupboard on the wall of one of the bedrooms, and all we could find was very old jam. So the nugget of advice here, check out the reviews and the photos more closely when booking. And also remember, some places are cheap for a reason. So we had just booked one night on the fly thinking we were only going to be there and we didn't matter too much. But in the end, it kind of does matter. You want to be comfortable all the time, even if it's only for one night. And luckily, this was only for one night for us. And also luckily for us, the stunning town of Uzes more than made up for it. We made our way into town 
into the main square and we had a wonderful meal at one of the restaurants. There were loads there all next to each other and apparently they're all good or so the tourists told me after they'd filled their bellies. We actually went back again to the square the next day to soak it all in some more. And if you can picture big, beautiful stone colonnades with creeper growing over them, a huge fountain in the centre and beautiful trees providing gorgeous shade from the summer heat. It had ice cream vendors on the corner. It was just a slow and exquisite morning spent in the square and then getting lost in the maze of little streets that were all around. Uzes is definitely one for your list. Cannot recommend highly enough. So from Uzes, we drove for about 20 minutes, I think it was, to the Pont de Garde. Now, if you haven't heard of the Pont de Garde, I recommend definitely making a beeline for it if you're staying in this region. It is an ancient Roman aqueduct bridge built in the first century AD, and it was built to carry water over about a 50-kilometre distance from the Roman colony of Nemosas, which is modern-day Nîmes. Simone and I got a little lost finding it and we came across a tiny and exquisite village nearby. There is literally nowhere that is not delightful in this area. So the Pont de Garde crosses the river Gardon near the town of Vere Pont de Garde and it's the tallest of all the Roman aqueduct bridges as well as one of the best preserved. And it's actually now on the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites because of its exceptional preservation, its historical importance and it's got incredible architecture with its three tiers of arches. I must say, though, there were massive amounts of tourists there on buses, but it still didn't feel crowded at all. We had the space and the time to just wander about with me getting to hug a tree that has been growing since the year 908. 908. I mean, that blows my little mind apart. It rightly makes one feel very small when you're in the presence of a tree that has lived through so much. I just so hope that it goes on living for a long time to come. I did despair the way that our environment is heading when I was hugging that tree and I said to it, maybe I'm a bit mad, but I did say to the tree, I do hope that we can keep the world going in a way that it means that you can keep on living for as long as you have. Now, I don't know what the lifespan of an olive tree usually is. I think being alive for over a thousand years now is quite a feat, clearly, <laughs> but my hope is that it can keep going for much longer. Now, a massive storm came rolling in whilst we were there at the Pont de Garde. So after a quick glacé, a sorbet, we were on our way to Molages. We drove through what the locals told us afterwards was a once in a hundred years downpour and at times the water flooding across the road, it came up to the level of our doors and we had to find higher ground for a little bit. But eventually we made it to our most divine accommodation in Molages. It was exactly what I picture when I think of the whitewashed walls of a Provencal house with stone flooring and the thick walls to keep cool in the summer heat. Simone and I agreed that we wanted to pack up this house and we just wanted to bring it home to Australia. We could have stayed there for months. It was the perfect place to explore that part of Provence, south of Avignon, across to the Luberon. We had a list of things that we both wanted to see. I wanted to explore a local market or two 
and I had never been to Saint-Rémy de Provence. Simone is the best travel companion ever, and she's always agreeable to anything I want to see as well. She really only had one request to see Lille sur la Sorgue, where I've stayed previously with Paul, and I loved it, so I was more than happy to return there with my beautiful friend. We checked the info that our house owner had left for us regarding market days and particular recommendations for dinner, and we drove out each day with a loose itinerary, but with enough time in the day to discover new experiences and immerse ourselves in anything wonderful that we happened to stumble across. We explored the beautiful streets of Saint-Rémy on market day. We found more markets and restaurants to die for in Igalière. We drooled over the Brocant and sat by the canal in Lille Salasorg sipping G&Ts, which is not very French, I know, but they were gorgeously cold in the heat. We had coffee gazing out from the cafe on the cliffs in Gord. We saw monks and lavender in the Abbey de Sinonc, and we waited for an extra hour to get out of the car park there due to a bus that had got itself in a bit of a pickle and we couldn't get past it in our car. But what a gorgeous view while we waited for the bus to sort itself out as we just gazed across the lavender fields. And finally, we left our little haven in Molagers to visit the Palais de Pape in Avignon. Now, the Palais de Pape, or the Palace of the Popes, is about 800 years old, and it was the summer residence of the Pope for some centuries. Suffice to say, it has earned its status as a UNESCO World Heritage Site and is worth a visit. I do chat about the Palais de Pape back in the Little Bells episode 17 from when I visited there with my husband Paul. Now, on leaving Avignon, we had a bit of a drive north to Lyon and we decided to break up the trip with a one-night stop. Again, we took the road less travelled and we found a village along the way as we were about to cross yet another picturesque river and bridge. It turned out to be a little village that I wanted to buy a house in, actually, but that happens everywhere for me, by the way. But the village Viviere was just an ordinary little village on a river like so many others. But when we got there... We were well, we were ready for dinner and we saw the locals all out having apero together, but nothing was ready for dinner, being only six o'clock-ish. It was a gorgeous night, so we found a restaurant. There were only about three in the village and we settled in for a glass of wine until it opened. We did consider going to the one that was packed with locals, but I must admit I had these little pangs of anxiety thinking, oh, Oh, the locals will start to talk to us. Will my French be up to it? Or maybe we should go somewhere less crowded where there's no danger of not being able to speak. And I wish I had have actually gone and engaged with them because when the locals at the much less crowded restaurant came to speak to us, they were so welcoming and patient with us. There was a huge dog who lived at the restaurant and became my new best friend, of course, plus a meal of quiste grenouille to keep me happy. I just adore frog's legs in France. The people were actually really chatty with us and the food and ambience was almost intoxicating in the late warmth of a hot summer day with the light changing. After dinner, we took a walk along the river to find more locals enjoying the balmy summer evening with their picnic supper and there was laughter and frivolity everywhere. We just adored that little pocket of warmth and gorgeousness that we stumbled across by not taking the toll roads. And sadly, we left Vivier and headed towards a bolt hole for the night, which was clean and high tech, but it did feel a little sterile. Although I'd rather sterile than the scratchy sheets we had in Uzes. And again, it was only for a night. 
We finished up our road trip the next day in Lyon where Simone and I met up with a group of girlfriends to continue our adventure. But that is a story for another podcast episode. So a few important learnings from this road trip. Number one, avoid the toll roads, as I said earlier. Number two, do not overplan. Have the things that you definitely don't want to miss. Then keep your schedule open for the things suggested by locals or just anything that might pop up during your day. Number three, take cash for petrol and tolls in case your international cards don't work. There are no people working at the petrol stations. They're all automated. So have cash or have numerous cards just in case. Number four, have coins for parking. Simone noted how clever the French are for having the same type of parking meters everywhere we went. We worked out how to use it on the first occasion when we were parking, and after a few towns, we were explaining it to others like we were the local experts. It was great for our French fluency, although we were mostly talking to other non-French tourists who didn't have any English either. So at times, we were speaking in broken French, and we felt like we were playing charades as we explained it, but we got there in the end. There are probably loads of other tips I could share, but I'd rather hear them from you. So drop me a line to bonjour at ludabellsfrancophiles.com and let me know your best travel tips when you are travelling through France. Alors, c'est tout et c'est la fin aujourd'hui. That is all for another Little Bells Francophiles episode. I hope you're enjoying being transported to France via our podcast chats, sometimes with brilliant guests and other times just my own French story. To be notified when new episodes are released, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform or follow Lulabelle's Francophiles on Insta. That's where you will also find lots of my personal French photos as well as some from our Lulabelle's Francophiles guests. For all of the links from today's episode, including links for each of the villages we visited, I will include a reset for the Quiz de Grenouille that I had on the road trip at Viviere and I'll pop a new song on the Lulabelle's Francophiles fabulous Spotify playlist I'll pick something that we played as we drove around, I think. Head to the Lulabelle's Francophiles website to blog post number 131. That's 131. The website link is in the show notes for today's episode as well. And then come and join me next time on the Lulabelle's Francophiles and together we can stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Au revoir de moi, Louise Prichard. Bonne journée et à bientôt, mes amis.